Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Well, welcome back to another episode of Puzzling Company. It is the reigning champion of competition games, Zach here. And with me is someone who's going to probably try to argue that I cheated or some some crap, right? Um, but I have, I have my the loser himself, Jared on Jared. How are you feeling? Yeah. I mean, that's how I'd feel if I lost. I just have so many thoughts. Yeah. You want to, you want to say them? I, first of all, I, I want to say congratulations to you. Thank you. I mean, we both knew that I was going to win this. I mean, I, I did predict that. You did. Yes. That's, I did predict that I would also beat you. That was great. That is, maybe I was more of a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. <laughs> maybe I should have had maybe. more confidence in my own abilities. Here's the thing. You did better than I expected. I thought I would just like um, in the first Avengers, uh, you know, in Infinity War, I thought I was just going to Thanos snap you off. But you fought back and gave me a good challenge. Um, but to give people an idea of what we're actually talking about, uh, in our last episode, we talked about the game that we, we would be talking about this week, which is Deckscape's Crew versus Crew, which is a competitive game from Deckscape. It really is great. I, I, losing is not fun by any stretch of the imagination, mm -hmm. and I do not like to lose. Oh, I know. But apart from that, I feel like hearing from the loser that this is a really great game should speak volumes about the game. It's true. I think we both felt this when we played it at the time. Either if we won or lost, the game was kind of, it was like a fun, there's a lot we'll talk about it, but it was fun the entire time. Like there it was, was. Even if I would have lost, I think it was a blast. It was probably one of my favorite competition games I've played in a long time. It was really good, and we're going to dive right into that. Hang with us. Hey, Zach. Jared, I'm not falling for this again. Oh, so what? Now you don't trust me? Correct. I don't trust you. Well, then do I have a game for you? What are you talking about? Floor 13 from CU Adventures. It's the story of a company with too much trust. But I don't trust you. Well, Zach, trust me on this. You need to head on over to CUAdventures.com and play Floor 13 or their other game, The Lost Temple, and you will not be disappointed. Wow, that was a great ad. I mean, hearing myself, you know, and it was so great. Dude, like hearing yourself just be the champion all the time is just like a great thing. I actually, Jared doesn't know this, I'm making a trophy for myself uh, to give to me uh, to show that I am the champion. And then maybe next time we play a competition game, Jared might have a chance of getting it. I don't know if you're higher on this game or your ego right now. My ego is so huge, I don't think anyone could even, you know, uh, Mojo Jojo from. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, that's how big my brain is currently. Um, anyways. Um, but welcome back, guys. Uh, we are in our first segment where we're going to talk about the things that we loved or liked about this game, as well as things that we thought could have some room for improvements. So I'm going to get us started with the things that we liked about this game. Sure. So the first thing I'm going to say is the competitive aspect of the game. So what I mean by that is just just that, the aspect of it, not like the gameplay or anything like that, but why competitive games can be a blast. And it was so much fun. Yes, one of the things that everyone loves, you know, there are people who don't like competition, but being able to have a competitive aspect in a game that is done well is a blast because it gives you enough of a challenge where you feel like you yourself are competing against yourself mentally, but then also having someone else that you get to go against and kind of chit chat or banter against each other to see who's going to be better is just a 
good time. And when they can facilitate it in the game well to where you feel like the entire time it's competitive enough, because I think one of the things this game does well is it is competitive, but in a fun way. It never feels like there's a point where it's so competitive that you get frustrated and are upset because it is competitive, you know? Um, and I think one of the things that kind of feeds in that, for at least for us, is that it was a good game. Like, the game was fun, but also we both did well yes. in our own degrees. Yes. It, it was, it was uh, competitive. It was, it was competitive, yeah. It was a close game. It was a close, like, to tell you the score, uh, and we won't tell you much about the full scoring system. We might talk about it a little bit later. Um, I Basically, the, how the game played out for us is that the final puzzle was the side deciding factor. Yes. Um, at the end of the day, which was nice, um, which when we talk about it more later, it'll make more sense why we were so happy about that. But yeah, I mean, the competitive aspect was just great. I, there was never a point in this game that I felt like it was too much or that I was getting frustrated with like potentially losing. There's not much at stake. It's just you and your friends or whoever you decide to play with seeing who uh, does better in the crew versus crew. And the thing that I really liked about it is one, we don't see any of this type of format. True. In a lot of the other games we play, most of what we play is cooperative. Correct. Um, so that's really fun to see them take what I would call a risk, Yeah. right? This either goes off really well or really poorly Agreed. in my estimation, and I think they pulled it off really well. But the the other aspect that I really like is in a lot of games, the narrative is driving the urgency Correct. of what is happening here. And you have to use some of your imagination and, and dispel a little bit of belief in order to get into that mind frame mm. In competitive games. The urgency is a hundred percent real. Yeah. Because either time or quickness or ability matters because you want winning is an urgent thing. It's Correct. not, it's not a passive thing. And it was really interesting to see that to come into place. And as we're going to talk about here in a minute, the format and the gameplay really built on that yeah, really nothing, well. Yeah, I think it was hilarious at times that the narrative fed it really well because it'd be a point where, like, let's say I won a puzzle or Jared did. We would solve it, and they'd give you a narrative bit to explain where you're going next or what's happening with your crew, and nothing was more hilarious than being like, okay, well, I did this, and then it goes, well, actually, right behind you shows up your competitor, and you're like, oh, crap, now we got to run again, you know. There was never, it felt like at all times the urgency was so real and that the game kept up with that pace. Yes. You never felt like there was a clear, like, someone leading. It was always the game put it back in perspective that, like, any second you could screw up and your opponent could get Absolutely. ahead. Absolutely. And let's let's talk about why that is, because I want everybody to thoroughly understand what the format mm -hmm. of this game is. The way that this game works, it is two teams, no more, no less. You can have any number of players on the team. Two to six is what the box recommends. And what you are doing is... Each team is receiving the same puzzle, but with a different answer. Mm. So red team and blue team, we actually do a similar format type of game at Murfreesboro Escape Rooms where the puzzles are, are identical, but the outcomes are different. So there's yep. no cheating. You still might be able to give something away. And then I believe we counted up 10 puzzle, or I'm sorry, 12 puzzles in this game that you are competing for. And the way that it works is the first team, in essence, to buzz in and say, I have the right answer, gets to check the answer. If they get the right answer, there are a undisclosed amount of coins that they win. Yes. Every time. And you're supposed to keep that hidden until the end of the game. If So if you look at the puzzle and say, hey, my team got it right, great, you keep those coins. If you buzzed in first and got it wrong, it's almost kind of like family feud mm -hmm. at the end where points are going to go to the other team. Yep. So you're really trying to strike a balance in this game of like, are you sure you have it? 
because one of the very interesting points about this game is there are zero hints. And I like that because that, in my opinion, takes away from the fairness of a competitive game. Mm-hmm. All of the other deckscape games have a hint system. This one does not. But as you're going through, you go through all 12 puzzles. At the end of the game, each team is going to have a certain, no- a certain number of undisclosed coins. You flip them all over at the end. The team with the most coins is going to win. And it, the coin amount, I will say, is widely varying. Yes. And that just added so much because early on in the game, uh, I was winning. I had more, more cards. And then the late game is where Zach really turned it on. And by the end, we had about the same amount of cards, mm-hmm. pretty close. Zach may have had one more before the final puzzle. But there was always the question of, does he... Do they have more coins under? That was a that was a blast when we would look at each other. We'd both get it. We'd both get our coins from we when, when we would win a puzzle, and then we'd both go, "Hmm, that's an interesting <laughs> amount of coin." Yes, I'm excited that I have this amount. And it is. There's a lot of mind gaming because do you do you try to amp yourself up to make them try to answer a question early? Yeah. Because we charted our way at the end of the game, and by the end of the game, Zach and I had each correctly answered four of the 12 puzzles for a total of eight. And then we had each given the other person two puzzles on misses. Yep. But the game was so close that it actually came down to the final thing. Mm -hmm. I shot my shot. I have no regrets. I went for it and I missed. And that, that is, that is what cost me the game. But, but I want to dive in a little bit more to the gameplay because I said, we're talking about format and gameplay. Mm -hmm. What was so fun about this game was they didn't stick to a rigid puzzle escape room format. Yeah. We saw such a broad range. We saw escape room style puzzles. We saw, uh, it, I would call them odes to board games that we're all very familiar with. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then parts of it even felt like a game show. Yeah, the game show aspect was one of my favorite parts <laughs> of the game. It was, uh, it, and that made it fun because... One format you could do it well, but it was the you know variety is the spice of life yep. that played so well in this game. And what I like about that is I feel like it invites non super puzzly people in to enjoy this, yep. or younger people in to enjoy this. Like this too, I feel like would be a very great game to hand to anyone because if you are super puzzly like Zach and I are, you might whip through some of the puzzles, but then some of the decision-making games mm-hmm. might become a little more complex. And I would say there's even one puzzle that stuck out to me that had us stumped for a good little bit. Yeah. And it was it, through and through, like, again, the format with the gameplay were just this really great marriage and then wrapping it up in a pirate versus pirate theme. Yep. It was just it was just great. It was just so well done. Mm-hmm. So, Zach, wrap us up. What else did we really enjoy about this game? The cleverness. I think the cleverness of the style of the game in terms of, like, theming, but then also the puzzles themselves. The the variety of puzzles, like we talked about, in terms of the format of it being, like, game show versus escape room versus board game was just well done. And in terms of, like, it was clever, but also, like, the, the masking of the puzzles inside the format felt authentic it didn't feel like at any point i was doing something that's like widely 
like off base of what I would be doing in the scenario. Like the narrative fed into it to where it made sense of like, okay, we're doing this. Now we're doing this, you know, we're on our boat and oh no, a Kraken attacks, you know, and then we get off the thing and we're both now on our own little, like little rowboats. And now, you know, there were so many times that we do a puzzle and I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty smart. Like, because the other part, which we've probably talked about a little bit is these are cards. It's not like they give you, it's not like the items they give you are huge and have lots of space to work with. It is a small playing card, a little bit bigger than a playing card size. A little bit bigger, yes. Yeah. And being able to put these very solid puzzles in that tiny space is admirable at times. And there were some that you, you know, one thing that Dexcape does, because we've played another one, we played, we played Heist in Venice. Yes. Um, is that some of them, you know, you use multiple cards. Like you get to like build like a format. So they'll give you like four cards and it builds a map. And those are well done. Like, they fit well together. They look good. The puzzle makes sense. And there was never a point. I think, we, like I said, we had one puzzle that, like, stumped us for a little bit. But every puzzle, even if it was, like, super easy or more difficult, we were like, that was solid. Yeah, it was clever. It, it was fun. Like, there was never a point that I ever questioned what we were doing. And that, that's, like, a great part of a game is when I don't feel like my immersion and how well the puzzles are or the game or anything like that drops. Yes, I agree. And we'll talk a little bit more about competition and immersion in our next uh, sector. Oh, geez. Got some interesting questions lined up. But uh, our overall synopsis of this game is pick it up and play it. Yes. Uh, if if competition really isn't your thing, it, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was just really well done. It flowed very well. There was a lot of diversity, a lot of variety. And again, I think it is a format, and I mean format, I mean competition style, hmm. that I, I hope to see more of Yeah. Um, because it is fun. Like for everything that Zach and I do together, it is cooperative, hmm. right? We're working together. We have one goal in mind. So it's fun from time to time to take the puzzly world that we love and challenge each other. Uh, I think you will love this game. And for the price point of, I believe it's what, $15 I US? So. Yeah. yeah. I think it's uh, around 11 euro. Mm-hmm. Pick this up and have a fun hour yeah. with the people that you usually puzzle with. You will get to talk about so much after the game, and the smack talk is just so worth it. I've been on the receiving end of it, decidedly so. I am the loser, but regardless, it has been uh, a lot of fun to have that back and forth versus like, oh, yeah, we beat that puzzle game. Mm-hmm. And we did have a lot of fun, but I do want to move us into talking about where we felt like there were some room for improvements. Yeah, And these are going to be a little bit different today. I don't have any major gripes no. with this game. I thought it was a very tight package. It was very well done. The only issue that I have is the final puzzle. And this has the potential to come off super salty, but he's so mad. But I have talked to Zach and he has assured me that he will back me up on this. Oh, does he know? (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe he's about to throw me under the bus. I felt like on the last puzzle, there was, in my opinion, a little room for interpretation that could very easily lead people to the wrong answer. And that is the, the uh, for, for our pirate metaphor, that is the boat I set sail on. We got into the puzzle. I chimed in first. I felt like my rationale was very on point. Mm. It was not what the game was looking for. There was signposting there to say otherwise, but I still feel like it's something that is a little bit of a red herring or, and 
potentially misleading at a very important part of the game. Agree? Um, yeah, I mean, I mainly can agree. You know, um, when we played it, we did the final puzzle, we got to it, and we it, it gives you instructions on what you're supposed to do. Um, and we're like, okay, well, okay, I don't want to spoil much of it. I'm just going to say that it tells you you should do what a, it's time to be a real pirate. Yes, do what a, a real, real pirate, pirate would know. To do in this blank. scenario. Yeah, yes. blank. And there's a, there's a bunch of, you end up on a bunch of islands trying to find treasure. But you have to figure out which island. And you have no clues other than the quote to you and something that we didn't notice at first. Yes. So we which doing, was which was the hint. Correct. Yes. There is something clearly on there that tells you how you're supposed to solve it. So we did it. He tried it that way. I agreed with him. It, it made sense without knowing the hint or knowing like how you're tr- supposed to truly solve it. And then we flipped it and realized. Now, now going back at it, Jared can also agree that it it makes sense. The final puzzle makes sense when we realize what you were trying to do. The issue is that. With how the game's rules work and how you get to the end, you would not think to do what the game wants you to do at the end. And how I'll explain it without trying to like give away the ending is that there are rules that clarify how you and the other crew are supposed to interact with each other. Correct. And you there, read those at the beginning correct. of the game. Correct. You read them at the beginning of the game, and there's basically the rules respect. It's like you are competing, but there is a rule of respect between the pirates. There's kind of rules explaining how, like, who reads. You know, like, there's things that kind of clarify that. Now, when you get to the end... Right, because if, if I throw up a parlay, yeah, I feel like the captains should meet, and Correct. we should have a parlay. Yes. And that's pirate code, and that should be respected. Yes. Yes. And, but there's a... Specifically, the hint of the variant tells you to do something that the game, at least from our point of view, thought would never make us do. And so when we get to that, and that happened... We were like, okay, it makes sense. Like, when I think of pirates and I think of this hint, it does all conclude correctly. Yes, the, the puzzle is not wrong. wrong. It's, it is, not, it's not a... It's just the issue, I think, that the game sets up a certain way of playing it. Your expectation of how the end would go is not how the game ends. Yes. Like, it just clearly goes, okay, you've learned how to play this way the entire game. Now we want you to do this. And you go, I never thought I would need to do that. Like there's never a point that I felt like this element would play into the game. Yes. But like I said, it makes sense when we realize that's what you're supposed to do. It, it works, but I, I think it's just going to be hard to get. I think it's hard realistically to get people to think that way when they sure. get to the final puzzle. Well, it's, it's, it's a, I'll call it a risky mechanic. Sure. Right. Yeah. I think they were trying to find a really creative, unique way to end the game. Mm-hmm. And that is, in my opinion, just a little too far of a reach to, properly in the game and 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 along with what i'm saying about like my interpretation of why i thought was right i'll say this when we had errol on the show errol always said he's always trying to work out a puzzle that only has one answer Mm -hmm. right and i felt like in that situation i i can't believe i'm the only person that is ever going to like use the train of logic i used to come to the conclusion i came to yeah. And so the it's the combination of those two things that made the final puzzle a little troublesome. Mm-hmm. And in a situation like Zach and I were in where it's coming down to the last card, to the last puzzle, it took a little wind out of our sails, if you'll uh, if you'll go on that. But I don't want to say that the puzzle that was there was bad. It's a working fine puzzle. But yeah. but the dynamics coupled with what felt like a little bit of a red herring 
deflated us a little bit at the end. I think also the only other thing we could say, like, I mean, something we just didn't do at the time is I think uh, the hint that it gives you, we just didn't look at. The signposting. The signposting that tells you how you're supposed to solve the puzzle, we just didn't look at. Right, and that's in the heat of the competition. Yeah, Yes. but also it's a thing that how it is, how that meta puzzle works into the entire game and how it's, like, placed is how I'm going to word it without trying to give it away. It it makes sense, but I think I just forgot about it almost entirely until that came up and we realized that's how you're supposed to solve it. Uh, yeah, I think it's just a little too far out of reach. Like, just a little bit. Like, I think there are people who will get that, but just, I think how, so how we personally played the game, I would have never expected to do that ending. Yes. Uh, the next two things that we want to talk about really aren't criticisms of our game, really just our recommendations for how you should play the game based on our experience. Mm-hmm. We played it 1v1. Uh, DV Games recommends that you can play this with two to six. So obviously your other options are 2v2, 3v3 if you're splitting teams equally. Mm-hmm. Um, we felt like you need to know that there are some advantages that can happen if you don't play the game a certain way. Yes. So the way that the every puzzle happens is there's a card that has to be read off of. Mm-hmm. And what Zach and I would do is take turns reading it out loud, put it down, and then the puzzle would quote-unquote start. Mm-hmm. And I think there is an inherent advantage for the person reading the card yep. instead of the person listening to the card. So when you play this game, what we recommend is just put have somebody put the card down, People let people read at their own speed and let the puzzle start as soon as somebody puts that card down. Um, because it just it felt like I had an advantage when I was reading it because my mind was already running as I'm reading it. And it is just harder to, I think, soak in information listening versus reading. Agreed. So that was just a recommendation that we had when you play the game. Put the instruction card down. Let that be the beginning of the puzzle. Let people read it. And then kind of go from there. One of the other things is I think Deckscape does well, which we just don't do, especially if you're playing 2v2, or sorry, 1v1. I think it's just going to be hard to have this. Um, one of the things they recommend in their general settings of the games is having a neutral, non-playing party like set up the deck. And that's in Heist and Venice. That's also in this game. Yeah, that's game. in all of their games. It's in all their games. I think actually having a ref for one of these games would be hilarious <laughs> because I, I would love to be the ref because I know how the games works and it would be I would be awesome to try to like get them both set up where it felt yeah, it would be you could set it up better for them. But yeah, I think it's just uh, the way that Jared explained it would be best if you want to try to make it as equal as possible. Yes, yeah, totally agree. But that was that's just so that when you play this game because you should play this game, pick it up. I feel like that's just gonna help neutralize a lot of the like oh, well, you picked up the card and read it, and then you knew the answer right. Like, you want to just equal fair playing field as much as possible. Sure. And in our experience, we felt like after when we were talking about the game afterwards, it was like, yeah, I felt like I did have a little bit of advantage when I read it, and Zach was like, yeah, I probably had a little bit of advantage when I read it. Yeah. So just throwing that out there. But, Zach, what was our our last recommendation for playing the game? I would say, so in the box it says it's recommended two to six. I honestly think you should. If you want my opinion, I think you should only do either 1v1 or 2v2. The reason why I say that is because of the space that the cards work on. It's not a lot, and there's not, like, a lot of crazy puzzles that require multiple thoughts looking into it. Yes. Or, like, multiple brains working at the same time. There is, like, one or two puzzles that are difficult that having more than one person would be great. But I, I think with three people, you just wouldn't have enough stuff to do. It would kind of feel like you or it'd just be someone, like... One or two people would feel like they're not doing much, especially in some of the puzzles earlier on yes, in the game. Agreed. 
they're more simple and kind of just like, I mean, like me and Jared felt like it was a good fit for us too, but we also have a lot of experience. I think if you are a group that has never played a lot of these, then I think playing 3v3 might be okay because at least it would feel more like all three could have more involvement trying to solve it. Sure. But I think if you're more experienced or in the, like the intermediate level, I, I think playing with less will be better. And the, the other thing about it is it's just not a lot, like Zach said, it's not a lot to look at. So if yeah. you have more than a 2v2, I just think in, inevitably one of player on each team is just going to be frustrated because they're not getting enough time with the puzzle material. Yeah. Yeah. But like like we said, our the the final puzzle is really the only thing that really had qualms with in this game. Overall, this was so much fun. Yes. And uh, for those, I believe this is game is available now in Europe. But for those of you in the U.S., it should be coming to Amazon soon. Yeah, Beca- I believe so. Because this is a new month, and we are reviewing a new game in our new game spotlight. But overall, this is an easy pickup for me. It's not very expensive. Nope. It will be something that you can talk about for a while, and I'm sure down the road I'll be hearing from Zach how he won this round of our competitive game. I can't wait to play more. Mm-hmm. If it's from Deckscape or whoever who makes more competitive games, I am so down for I'm it. in. Because uh, interesting point before we head into our next segment, we're seeing a lot of people do a lot of cool things with format right now. Mm-hmm. Wild Optimist, their new game is coming out where it's three different games, and then you got to... like. So it, it's it's a really cool time for format in our space because the tr- the traditional just co-op story is great. It's the bread and butter of what we love. Mm-hmm. But I'm so excited that people are taking risks and opportunities to do different things. Yes. And this is the first truly competitive game that we've seen in the space. Yeah, uh, that we've played personally. Right, yeah. that we've played personally. So I hope you pick it up. I hope you enjoy it. And we're going to take a break and head into Puzzles to the People. We'll see you in a sec. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Jared, 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 Jared. I found this really cool box outside. Can we please, 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 can we open it? Are you out of your mind? Look what it says on the box. It literally reads, root of all evil. There's no way we're opening this box. Oh, come on, Jared. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst? That... Have you ever seen a horror movie? Listen, you don't split up your team. The basement is not a good hiding place. You don't give cute little creatures water. And above all, you don't open the mysterious and creepy box with the word evil on it. Please, Jared. No. But if you're listening and you have more guts than me, you should actually head over to crackinutmysteries.com and pick up a copy of Root of All Evil. Um, Jared? I think I need to tell you something. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now in the section that we call Puzzles to the People, where we either look at some feedback or just talk about issues that pertain directly to the games. And that's where we're going to land out today. And as you probably could have guessed, we are talking about competition in our at-home puzzle and mystery world. Because, Zach, we don't see it very often. No. So it's it's fun to talk about that. But let's let's talk about this. Mind you, we've had one game to play, but we've also played quite a few of competitive escape rooms. Mm. So I think that can frame a little bit of our discussion as well. And board games. I mean, there's, board, yeah. there's other adjacent spaces that we've yes. played competitively. Yeah. But, I, but I, this first question is directed to the genre of games that we cover directly. Okay. What does 
com- competition add to our genre? Ooh, okay. What did that What did that add to our experience? I think um, a sense of urgency, if that's in terms of time or what your objective is. And I think what else it can add is an, like a breath of f- fresh air. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we, we've discussed it before in other, in other talks or earlier today, is that games like this give a new breath of fresh air because it feels like we have a bread and butter to how most games operate that it's cooperative and giving people a chance to play competitively and try a new aspect of a game, but also being able to challenge yourself, but other others that you enjoy playing with is fun. I think the, the sense of urgency immediately plays in because I think the hard part in some games is that the immersion of the narrative is hard to make you feel like you're doing it fast or that time is of the essence. You know, we've played a few games where the narrative really carries that, where you do feel like there's urgency. I think um, as an example, because I, I love this game a lot, Society of Curiosities, uh, Maddox Lost, you know, uh, Lost, Lost Treasure, is I think the narrative hard carries the sense of urgency in that game, like the way that they're able to do it. So that's really cool. But I think in some other games that, you know, we've played or other people have played, it's harder for me to like stay immersed and be like, okay, I have to do this like ASAP. You know, there's, there's not like real a sense of urgency in me needing to complete this as quickly as possible. Right. With the competition aspect, like when we played Dexcapes, crew versus crew, is every time there was a new puzzle, I felt like it was a rush between me and you. Yes. That, that was fun. It made me think quicker. It made me think harder. Because I think sometimes when we play other games, I think just as diff- you know, I have to think just as much. But the thing is, I have more time to think about it over time. And I think time and of time of the, you know, urgency and solving it quicker was interesting for us because it was fun watching our brains tick faster than normal trying to solve puzzles yes or the the funniness of being like i'm not positive but i really don't want you to answer it so do i almost take the risk and just try to see if i'm correct yes you know i that was really fun for this space i'm gonna use one of our buzzwords i thought it brought a level of immersion and i think it's different than a lot of other games but competition is one of the most immersive things out there Agreed. for those people that are willing to engage in competition mm-hmm. in, in kind of its purest form because you in immersion, you lose sight of reality, right? And during competitive games, everything else kind of peels away from me. And I've, we've got one mission, whether you and I are in a team or like we were against each other and it was like beat blank, Beat Zach, beat the other team. Which you didn't. Which which I did not. But I get lo- you get lost in that, it's right? True. Which is what we enjoy about games is that we get lost. So I think competitive games in our genre can add a different sense of immersion, right? Agreed. It's not immersion via narrative, via environment, via puzzling per se. It is the raw fact that everything else is being blotted out because I so desperately want to win this game. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. Generally, I don't know how the rest of you puzzle. Zach and I do our best to put our phones away when, regardless of what game we are playing. We try to have them off the table, out of sight. But usually on a longer game, you know, life is happening. I have kids at home. Something creeps in where we're like, okay, we'll take a break, yada, yada. My house could have been burning to the ground during crew versus crew. <laughs> I, and, I hope not. And I, and, I, and I wouldn't have known because 
I was locked in and I wasn't going to put anything else in the way of trying to beat you at that game. I don't think we ever looked at the clock. I think we literally looked at the clock when we finished the game because I, I don't think there was a, a, any moment in the game that we decided not to stop playing. Yes. Like, and I don't mean that like we would stop playing in other games, but I meant like there was, there was nothing that was going to take our eyes off of the puzzles that we were trying to solve and yes. as quickly as possible. I agree. And I think that's why it kind of had that, that, I mentioned that game show feel to it. Mm-hmm. is um, a lot of other competitive board games that you play. You know, we played, uh, last night you were over, we were playing a new game called Parks. Yep. That is not fast pace enough to consistently hold our attention. Agreed. But because it's in this genre, this puzzle-solving immediacy that had to happen because you had to be the first one to buzz in, yep. I, I just really liked that about this style of game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Now I want to flip it on you. Okay. What do competitive games, what do we lose? What does it take away from what we're used to? Ooh. I think what you can lose in competitive games is aspects of other games. that, like, And what I mean by that is like narrative or puzzles and stuff like that. So what I mean by that is that I think in games like crew versus crew or any other competitive type of game is that if the competition or the competitive part is really well done, you can almost like move on or like hide some of the other things like narrative was like well done in, in crew versus crew, you know, but like if even without the narrative being as good as it was, we probably would have still not even noticed it. Sure. And I don't mean that like in a bad way. I just mean like we enjoyed it so much that we didn't even like, question any part of it i think you can lose that in other games like you know some of the other games we've played that are more co-op i think you lose out on the big like overarching narrative you lose out on story um but you gain you know a different aspect of immersion like we you know that we discussed earlier outside that i don't for me i i don't really have like a pure answer of what you think i think you truly lose i agree with you on the narrative aspect like it is nice that everything stays on theme and on point because that is always an immersion breaker. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're playing a pirate game and all of a sudden there's a modern safe, you're like, that's weird. Wait, what? Yeah. Um, so stuff like that is always jarring, but honestly, this could have been pirates. It could have been wild West. Like I, it, it doesn't matter to me so much what is surrounding what, theme is surrounding the competition because like i said i'm so lost in it i have Mm -hmm. no idea what the the story is yeah and even in some of the other competition games that you and i have played in and escape games i could maybe tell you what they were broadly about like we've actually played a real life pirate Oh, we did competitive yeah. escape room, we which did. is really funny. We were on the same team. We, we, we were we were on the same team. But uh, to uh, who was it? Addy, Abby, and and Jake. You all got destroyed. That's <laughs> all you have to know. Yeah, I can say get wrecked for once on this episode. <laughs> but uh, it it is just very interesting how other things that are just staples that we care so much about they get lower ranked in my book when there's competition on the line. Sure. And I think people, a lot of people lose that um, and, and rightfully should because that kind of takes the the four focus. It's like story. No, no, mm-hmm. no, no, I don't have time for that. It's like if you try to show me a video 
of something or build the narrative in a competitive escape game. I'm mad because you're wasting my time. The other team probably isn't watching the video either. And you should be over there working on that puzzle instead of watching the screen, which I guarantee you has no puzzle content in it. So I agree. I think the narrative and sometimes the quality of puzzle can suffer in a competitive scenario just because we can deal with blah, 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 blah after the game. We got to go, 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 go. But I th- also think that really good competitive games aren't the most puzzle heavy. And I, what I mean by that is that they are less difficult so that you have more enjoyment in them. And that time is less like, you know, there are obviously some competition games where the puzzles are very difficult, but the game is over a longer period of time. Sure. I think in an hour, you can't put like, 12 very difficult puzzles back to back to back. I agree. I think you would not have as much fun. I think having the good level of like easier puzzles to get to more difficult to having like one, I think in this game we had like one puzzle that we thought was like quite difficult in terms of like it took us time, but the other ones were still like difficult, but we just figured them out pretty quickly. Sure. Um, I thought that was fun because like I said, there's never a point where I felt like it was so stressful and me trying to win that I didn't have fun. Right. And I think in good competition games, it's never that difficult because then you like, if both teams are struggling so hard, then it's not fun. You know, we've seen that in other like competition, like escape rooms and stuff where if you both aren't doing well, and I think we, we didn't say this about this game. One of the things I really like about this game as well is it does offer a version that if you both don't know how to answer it, you can just both not take any point and figure it out together. Yes. So there's like a neutral way of being like, okay, we have a truce that we both can't figure this out. And that's how you're able to solve it without someone winning or losing. But as um, we discovered, there are no truces when, with pirates. True. <laughs> um, but, but it was interesting. Like, I think the level of difficulty that was in specifically crew versus crew was perfect for a competition game. And I think in other competition games, that would what I that we have played in terms of like other uh, adjacent spaces, that has been key. Like not making it crazy difficult where you can have a good time, um, but giving you still an aspect that you have to work for it. Yes, uh, I want to talk now about the format. We mentioned this earlier in what we liked, but the format of this game is: you had a puzzle, I had a puzzle. The puzzles followed the same process, but you arrived to different answers. Yes. What format do you like better? And, and spoiler, Silvano's going to talk a little bit about this in his interview, but they made a very conscious decision to not go for a game that was, you have a copy of the game, I have an identical copy of the game, and let's see who can solve it first, right? Mm-hmm. So which, which format do you like better and why? It, did you like what they did here with that style, or would you have preferred for me to have a full set of a material you have a full set of the material and it's purely just a sprint to the end. Sure. I think, I think it depends on the game, but if let's talk about deckscapes, crew versus crew first, I would say for crew versus crew, I think the format they picked was actually perfect. I think it never, it felt like we both had to work at the same time. And I, and I can understand how someone could be disappointed by that because they want to work at their own pace and not like wait on the other person. But I think that's almost a game show aspect of itself, that there was never a point where it felt like one of us could get a crazy lead on the other person. Exactly. Because I think that's the difference is like if I could play by myself and I was able to solve puzzles quicker, I could just jump to puzzle six quicker than Jared ever could, you know, in, in the scenario, correct? Um, but then, you know, like someone else is just behind the rest of the game. I think the fun part with having only one deck is that you are forced to stay with your opponent the entire time. 
So it never felt like you could have crazy lead and it kept it always fair in terms of timing. It, it never felt like if someone got a crazy lead, they just won. Right. Cause that's the one thing I was worried about in this game is that if let's say it was a game that Jared did way better than me, that he would just start snowballing ahead, you know, but even at times where I lost puzzles or he lost, we had a good time to recollect and talk about the puzzle. Cause it lets you do that and talk about how it was correct or not. And then we both were able to talk about it a little bit and then move on to the next puzzle together. I think that was perfect. I, I I think for this game specifically, I think doing the other way would do a disservice to how fun the game could be. Yeah, I I, I agree, but I but I I'll, I'll push back a little bit. Okay, because I'm really trying to drive into let's let's combine the formats. Let's say we weren't allowed to puzzle jump. Um, I'll, I'll throw exit exit games at you. Sure. We actually have an episode with them coming up here yes. in a couple episodes. I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. What if uh, what if we were playing an exit game and we agreed, hey, we'll do the same format. Buzz in if you have the correct answer for puzzle one. We'll check it and move forward. Um, so, uh, sorry, you're going back to the, the question is just if we played the exact same way but the format was just different in terms of that you had a deck and I had a deck. Right. Is that is that is, is better that, or different? Is that better, more engaging to you, or is your preference what we saw in Crew and Crew? I think my preference is still Crew versus Crew. I could see how people would like that being able to have like your own deck, so you could like be able to interact with the cards as much as you want and not have to like worry about the other person. Because I could see how that could be bothering if like, especially the card they need to read. Like if like let's say like when I was reading it, I held it more to my side longer, like we talked about, um, or if you had it more, it could be frustrating to the other person. But I, I think having your own set of cards would be fine. I just don't think it would. I think crew versus crew format was better in my personal preference. And I think that's fair because it just it really is unique that you both get to work on the same puzzle. But you're not the, the big factor for me is you're not giving away something, right? Yeah. If if you yell out your answer, that's completely meaningless to me. Mm. What matters is now if you start telling me about the process. Yeah. Then we have, you know, something to work on. Sure. Um, so I do. I really, I really like that format because um, you can take any other, any old game the other way, reset it, let the other person play it, do a time trial, mm-hmm. and and come out that way. So I think the decisions that they made were really intelligent, and it turned out to just be a really cool experience for both of us. I think the other part I want to bring up as well is I think the other factor that that would affect is potentially price and the packaging. Um, cause let's say you wanted to keep it the same that they provided both decks. They're now doing double. They're making the price almost double. They have to have a bigger box. The game format potentially changes because of how much more space or you have to buy them separately. Like we both have to buy. Now you spend $30 on this game, USD instead of 15. And I think, you know, I, I mean, people want that. That's what they want. Right. But I, I'm just saying specifically for crew versus cruise format. I think it works very well. I think it would. I think the other way wouldn't work as well, but I understandable. Yes, I agree. I agree. All round wise, tightly packaged game that we got to play. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to spend too much time in this section because we're really excited to get to interview one of the cre- one of the two creators of this game. And he's coming at you now live in questions for creators. We'll be right back. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is questions for creators. Zach, you never responded to my email about the rally next week. The rally? Yeah, dude, they're trying to tear down the old tree off of Maine. That's a bat-coon habitat. I think you mean raccoon. <laughs> Zach, next thing you know, you'll be calling swore gators alligators. Swore gators? 
fat coons? Jared, what are you talking about? Dude, everyone knows that the American Society for the Protection of Magical Creatures spends countless hours trying to preserve the habitat of these magical and magnificent creatures. Do you want your kids growing up in a world where there's no lobguins? Do I? Well, that's a fair question. Lobguins are actually very temperamental creatures, but sometimes I can do without them. But what everyone should do is head over to theaspmc.org, that's T-H-E-A-S-P-M-C.org, and sign up to help their investigations. Only you can prevent the extinction of these magical creatures. Well, welcome back, guys. And we are now in the section that is questions for creators. Dun, dun, dun. Um, this is just a part of the episode where we get to talk to the amazing people or person who uh, create the games that we enjoy to play. And especially the one that we played today, which was Dexcape's Crew versus Crew. We have someone on that uh, we like talking to a lot, don't we? We do. Uh, very excited to have him on today. And just a reminder, he's only half of the equation. Correct. We'll get to meet his partner in crime, Martino, in hopefully what is an upcoming episode where we get to play the rest of the Deckscape series and then provide our loving audience with a ranking list oh. of how we enjoyed them, apart from Crew versus Crew. Sure. The other, I believe they have seven other games out right now in the I Deckscape. Think so. Yes. Um, so that's coming in the future, but want to jump right in. Let's meet our great guest today. So, tell us your name and about your puzzly past. Hi, I'm Silvano Sorrentino from Italy, from Bari, a small town in Apulia, in the south of Italy. And I've been working as a puzzle designer and as a game designer since uh, 1999, I guess. I started working as a game designer when an Italian magazine about board games uh, arrived in, in shops in Italy and the end of last millennium, don't remember the exact date, it was called uh, Giocaria. And it contained uh, reviews of the latest games in the, the best uh, period for uh, the golden age of board games, I, I guess. So something like uh, starting from uh, Settlers of Catan, when it, it was still called Settlers of Catan, it's, it's just Catan now. So imagine how old I am. And uh, they also published some uh, uh, games. You, you will call those uh, print and play now. So you have to cut and play the games from, from the magazine. And since I love the style of the magazine, it was very new to me because I just started knowing modern board games. I wrote them and uh, asked if I could uh, participate in the magazine. So I started writing uh, some articles and my first published board games is uh, a little abstract two-player games called Mind Ball, where you control a, a, a ball in a sort of a mind soccer game, trying to put a ball in the in the other player's goal. It's, it's not a masterpiece with my eyes <laughs> from now, but it worked. And I start knowing people from the magazine then then became a part of uh, DV, DV Games, which is the publisher uh, that uh, I work for now, and also publishes my Deckscape and Detective series of games. But I'm jumping ahead be because between the two things, <laughs> the, the magazine and uh, the current games, I also started working as a, as a puzzle designer for several other magazines. For example, I wrote for a year 
detective comics. Uh, I don't know how you call them. Those puzzles with one page with a, a little uh, murder mystery or detective story in form of comics. And you have to find the solution. So I wrote one of these each week with uh, the aid of a, a comic book uh, writer and um, published uh, illustrator. Heck. <laughs> And uh, then I start getting more jobs in the same area by creating uh, creating uh, riddles and, uh, and puzzles and games for all sorts of magazines. And since I always like to put myself in the corner and try to create something new, I always try to create my own uh, uh, games and write something that is uh, original. Also because at this time, it's, it's, much easier to sell something original instead of another 20 pages of Sudokus and crosswords and other stuff that other authors do. So I, I found my, my way there. And since I had this uh, career as a puzzle designer, I also started working as a board game designer with, with uh, DB Games. Uh, in 20 years ago, uh, I published uh, one of the first games in uh, the DB Games line. Uh, which was called Ostragon, a little party game uh, when you make up your uh, questions, uh, etc. And this started my career also as a board game designer. Uh, I started publishing uh, games with other small, design, small publishers at first, like uh, Adlung Spiele, etc. Then the big hits came with uh, the latest game from DB Games, so Deckscape and Detective. So Silvano, tell us how you came up with the concept for Deckscape. We started playing uh, brick and mortar escape rooms. Also here in Italy, they were a big hit like seven or eight years ago, the, the first ones. And then came the first two uh, boxed escape rooms, tabletop escape rooms, I, I know which are the, the, the Think Fun games from Blue Metal Games. And uh, one game I only knew, but I haven't tried yet at the time, uh, the, the Werewolf Experiment, the, who, came, who then was uh, republished by Mattel. And in the end, I was able to, to get one copy to, to try. And uh, of course, I was also a big lover of uh, video games like uh, Professor Layton and every other kind of game with a lot of puzzles in it. And uh, I realized that there was there were already those uh, uh, big box uh, escape rooms on the market, but uh, there was a sp space for something very small, like a, a, an escape room card game. So the idea uh, behind the, the Deckscape series of games is to create some uh, some pocket escape rooms, only analogic. You don't need anything to to play. Only only the cards, which are uh, one shot, and uh, but not uh, you do not distract the game while you play. So you can then uh, re reset and reboot the game, and give it to your friend to to try. And uh, at the time, the the concept was uh, pretty new. So we, me and Martino Chiacchiera, my co-author. Uh, start working on it actually as a, a byproduct of another kind of game we started writing <laughs> at the start because the story of Deckscape and Detective is intertwined uh, 
as we started creating a detective game first. And uh, it, it was the, the, the basis for the current detective. But it, has, it had something that was not working very well uh, years ago. So we took something from that game and created an escape room on parts of the original mechanics of that game. Because, you know, there is some similarities between detective and escape room games being in both cases game when you gain information and try to solve puzzles, even if they are different in, in the end. So we were uh, able to create something uh, using uh, those original mechanics. And the, the main idea of uh, the Deckscape series is that in the games we have tried, both uh, video games and uh, those tabletop games I mentioned, I really hated the fact that you can get stuck at some point and you need to use the ins. And if you don't, don't understand the ins, you need to read the solution and, uh, and go on. And you feel uh, dirty for doing that because, <laughs> but <laughs> being stuck, it's, it's very bad. So we wanted to create a mechanic that does not get you stuck. And uh, so to rise the, the party game element of the game, because uh, at DB, Jockey DB Games, um, most of our successes are in party game or casual game line of games. And so we came up in, after a while with this idea of having just some uh, questions of one side of the card and the answer on the other side of the card. This is, this is it, this is the, the check-in mechanic of, of Deckscape. So the idea is you need to have some puzzles that look uh, uh, difficult until you find a solution and you have the haha moment when you know you have the right solution and everything uh, clicks. And so it's like you auto-correct yourself. You already know the solution is right when you see the solution usually when we have done our work well. So you don't, do not have any code wheel, any app, any other gimmick to, to, to check the solution, which is, of course, both a pro and con of all other games. And this gives us a lot of freedom. In the first game of the line, which is test time, we used as a basis the most common uh, escape room uh, mechanics, meaning uh, the story was just uh, a way to go forward. And sometimes the puzzle was not very, um, how do you say, uh, very well uh, put into the, the story. This is something that happens, for example, in the Professor Layton games I, I mentioned before. And this is, of course, because when you write the first game of a series, you are writing several things at the, at the same time. We are writing both the, 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 the interface, the mechanics, the, the story, etc. It's, it's quite an hard job to do. So we took months to come up with the first game. But then we realized we have this uh, freedom in our hands and we were able to create much better games starting from the, 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 the second one. I'm not saying the first one is better if everyone wants to try the first one, but it's not my favorite. And uh, I think we have uh, now uh, we are now at a very good uh, point here because we are able to create uh, stories that are intertwined with the puzzles and puzzles that 
advance the story as you play. So there is uh, very uh, few texts actually in the, in the Netscape game compared to other uh, games uh, in, in this area, because part of the text of the story is part of, uh, of the puzzles. There are very few cards that are only, only story. You, you advance in the story with the, the puzzle is solved. And this is how uh, the escape was born. These were the main ideas to, to have a simple puzzle with the solutions on the back and to use the cards itself at, as uh, objects you can gain and you can uh, combine in very, in different ways of often using the physical uh, properties of the card itself. Uh, throwing cards, looking at the cards uh, in the light, uh, etc. Whatever we can do with a simple card, it's it's a puzzle in itself to create uh, those games. This is why it's it's fun for me to do. So, Silvano, we know you have another series out that's called Deck Detective. Um, what are the differences between that and Deckscape? Well, those are uh, very different games actually, because uh, uh, Deckscape is what you think will be <laughs> if you think of a. Uh, a pocket scale plume. So you have those uh, uh, pile of cards that represent different parts of the room you are in, you want to escape. It can be a room, it can be a place, depends on, on, the, on the adventure, it can be something bigger. And uh, the card on the top of each uh, deck is what you are currently seeing. So for example, you see a card that is a, a closed box and you, you don't have the, the key to open it. And you see another card where there is a, a character, you can talk with this character and he gives you some information, etc. And in the end, we'll get the key from the, that other deck and you can come back to the other uh, deck of cards and open the box with, with, with the key. And of course, since you don't, have a checking mechanism you have to uh, think if you are able to open the, the box so probably the box will say you need something to open this box and if you come with uh, a blue key for uh, to open a blue box you try to open it and in, in the reality will say if you don't have the, the blue key just uh, uh, flip this car back and uh, lose uh, five minutes in the end for example and that was a very bad example because, of course, you're not thinking we have blue boxes and blue keys in the game, but I'm stucking with it right now. The detective games are widely different because, first of all, they start from a fantastic idea. And I can say it's fantastic because it's not mine. It's from Martino, my co-author, so <laughs> kudos to him. Which is to use the first cards you find in the, in the deck because this is again, a simple deck of cards, use the first cards and, and slide and put those cards in the box itself to create a 3D view of the crime scene, which can also change during the course of the game. So the first thing you, you do is looking at the crime scene. It's like a, a miniature now of a, of a house or of a murder scene. And you can look at it uh, from different angles and it's uh, 3D. And then you start the game and the game is, has pretty few rules. Each player starts with uh, some cards in his hand and in your turn you can do one of those things. You can uh, play a card if you can pay its cost or you can uh, discard the card. And when you discard the card, you add it to the zone called the archive and the number of cards in the archive is like your mana, if you are a magic player. 
So you can play a card if you have enough cards in the archive. You do not discard the, the cards in the archive. So if you have uh, seven cards in the archive, you know you can play each any card of cost uh, seven or less from, from now on. And since all the cards have uh, useful information, and also you do not uh, shuffle the card at the start, so the card come in particular order, so you find uh, more and more relevant information as you go on, you have to decide each time if you want to play a card now and uh, so you can show what's in the card to everyone, or to archive the card to make you pay for later cards, but then you have to remember what the card says because you cannot see it again. And also there are some uh, cards in, in the deck which are the, the plot twists. And the, if you draw a card and, and you find a plot twist under that card, so the back of the card says, oh, this is a plot twist, you read what it says and different things can, can happen. The, the, the crime scene can change or something can happen or a new, new character appears, anything. And the other interesting mechanic is that each game ends with five questions and you have uh, seven red clips in the game and you will answer the, the questions using those clips. Some questions can have multiple responses. For example, who is a murderer? And in some games, there can be two, can be none, etc. And you put the clips on the, on the side of the card. And then when you turn the card, the clip will uh, say if you are right or not, because the, on the back of the card, there is one uh, uh, lighted box in the point when the clip is, if you are correct. And it says the points. And you can change your answer uh, at any time after you uh, answer the five questions before reading the, the, the five uh, uh, answers on the, on the back. So maybe you try to give one answer to the first one, but then uh, uh, while you think of the, the, the motive later, because another question asks about it, you think, oh, but maybe this does not fit with what I told before, and you can change in the, what you said before. So talk to us about the challenges of making a competitive game, because we just don't see this format that often, if at all. That was very tricky. And this is why we, we have done this, because we like have difficult problems to solve. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, no competitive escape room games exist, but we know no competitive games in this, in this area. In, in the tabletop area. Uh, so we wanted to, to be the first, and luckily we, we succeeded in this. I don't know if anyone is thinking of doing the same now, <laughs> because it's proving to be very successful. And of course, there are uh, a lot of game design issues to solve if you want to create a competitive game, so one versus one or team versus team, starting from a, a cooperative uh, game mechanic. The first problem is, of course, is the the materials, because first you have like 60 cards to create a story and puzzles, and now you probably have uh, 30 cards uh, each, or you have to find another way to, to split the puzzles between the two teams. We decided to uh, 
of course, keep it simple because this is the, the, the idea between, behind the Dexcapes. So we did a little few variations of the same idea, but basically the, the basic idea is that you give the same, you provide the same question to the two teams, but slightly different puzzles. So we found different ways to create puzzles that are similar, but not, not identical. So you can never just see what the others are doing and copying them. And uh, there is no timer and the timing mechanism is uh, connected to the player themselves because as soon as one of the teams uh, says uh, stop, they will check the solution of the puzzle. And if they are right, they win a card with some uh, doubloons. Otherwise they give the card to the other team. So you are in this uh, position where you want to be quick, but if you are too quick, you can get an answer wrong and uh, give the points to the, to the other team. And uh, to solve the problem that we have uh, fewer cards so we can put a uh, few puzzles in the game, and at the same time to solve the problem that we, don't want, we do not want the game to be too quick, or a team to answer too quickly to, to a puzzle because otherwise it will not be fun for the other team. We just created some puzzles that are uh, more difficult, more complex, maybe not difficult, more complex than the usual puzzles we have in the escape. Because usually in the deckscape you have like 25 to 30 puzzles which are very quick. We want each puzzle to last no more than two minutes so you can complete a game in about an hour. Here instead we wanted to make some, I say complex, but uh, sometimes they are more complex, sometimes there are multiple steps to, the, to solve the same puzzle. So we want each, each uh, team to think about the puzzle for um, six or seven minutes and then come with, with, with the solution. And this is fun because it's very tense, because while you're doing this, the other team is doing the same. So <laughs> you are, you also have another level of complexity because you want to communicate with your fellow players, but you don't want to give any hint to the other team. Even if the puzzles are different, any idea that you have can help the, the other team. So it's a little like, uh, what's, what's the name of the game? Cap Captain Sonar, the one in the submarine, when you, you want to communicate, but be alert of what you're saying. So it's different layers of uh, uh, complexity at the same time. You're solving the puzzle, you're trying to communicate, you want to be quick. And this makes for, a, for a, a fun game, apparently, because the reviews are pretty great for now, for this idea. We wanted to, create uh, some moments um, that are different from the rest of the game. Because if you just have two uh, different teams playing their own puzzles, at some point it, it will sound like, okay, each one is playing its own escape room. Why don't we just play two copies of a regular escape and see who got first? And so we have uh, several occasions when we have some uh, uh, mini games in, inside, which are sort of a logic puzzle when you play in, in turns. 
don't want to spoil anything, but for example, uh, a puzzle when in, in your turn you choose to look at what and one card and choose what to do uh, and, and then pass to the other players until one of the teams have, have enough information. Or, or the first occurrence of this, of this is a sort of uh, logic uh, battleships we have at the start of, of the game, just to introduce the mini puzzles. So you, you try to, to shoot the, the, the ship of the other team and uh, you give the, the coordinates and it says how much far is from the, the ship. And the maps are different, of course, for the, for the reason I told before. So you, you, you start to, to calibrate and, and get closer and closer to the, to, the, to the ship. Final twist that you only can do in, in a game like this, which I will not spoil, but I hope it will be very, very fun. So, Silvano, uh, we know that you are a big comic book collector and board game collector. How do those two things play into creating your puzzles and your stories? I love puzzle games before even knowing this, because I remember that the first things that I can see as a little kid were, for example, some puzzles from, uh, puzzles from Martin Gardner or some interesting uh, puzzle-like games I found in, in some books. Or I, uh, I love the Rubik's Cube, for example. So for some reasons, those games always clicked with me. But I also like every kind of form of art where you can see the designer has uh, uh, thinked a lot, but he created something that uh, it does not look very complex. So for example, I like the, the comics by Alan Moore, since you talked about comics, or I like the, the Doctor Who stories from uh, Stephen Moffat. <laughs> something that in the end, it's a, a, a product that anyone can enjoy, but has different layers of complexity. And if you are a designer, you understand how much work it's, it's behind those games. And this is something I like about puzzle game, because the, the best puzzle game is very simple to, to, to play, but it's very, very difficult to create. Just think about the, the Rubik's Cube. If you now see a Rubik's Cube, it looks very easy to, to make, <laughs> to create. But it's a very, very, very difficult to, to thing to, to to imagine and create also as a, as a mechanical object. So it's both the, the, the fact that uh, I love the artwork between ideas and also I, I love when puzzles and stories are intertwined. And this can happen also in, in movies and in, in TV series, etc. For example, someone mentioned that one of the first escape rooms you can see in, in movies is from uh, Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. It's called Indiana Jones 3, when you have three trials at the end of, of the story. I don't know if you have seen the, the movie, I don't want to spoil for it. But yes, you can see that someone put a lot of thought in the, those moments, and it's something everyone remembers. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have coming from the future with DV Games or with the Deckscape or Detective series? I'm sure there's things you probably can't talk about, but we're hoping to see more in the future. Yes, right now... Uh, as you can imagine, in, we need about a year to create any, any deckscape. So we are still working on the final details of 
two deckscapes we have uh, created in like, during the pandemic <laughs> because of course the, the things also slow down for, for, for a bit. One I can say because it was announced a couple of times it will be called the, the Dracula's Castle and of course it's uh, set in a classic uh, monsters uh, setting so not only Dracula but any other classic monster you can think and the, the the idea is there is that uh, you will have a little book which is the the monster hunter book and you will use this book also while uh, solving your your puzzles and also it was the first time we introduced some um, bigger puzzles so you use more cards on the on the table to create uh, a larger board or a larger puzzle. And this uh, will be very, very interesting because it allows us to create uh, different puzzles than, than usual. So that was the, the main idea between the, this game. Use uh, have a little fewer puzzles, but they have some big puzzles, which is something we uh, sometimes did just for the final puzzle of the uh, each deskscape until now sometimes we we use some big puzzles in the end but this time we we have done uh, more more times during the game and then there is another one we I cannot say uh, because the the DB games lawyers will come and get me if I pronounce anything but uh, just let me say that you know there is uh, while you try to create puzzles sometimes you get very crazy ideas and you say I cannot put this in, in the game because this is too out of the box and the players will not play it so we come up with a, with a setting that allows us to put all the crazy ideas from the last five years and put everything inside inside the game and this will be so out of the box that any puzzle that you can solve with with the normal logic will will sound strange in the, in this context because everything else will need every ounce of your lateral thinking or even uh, moments when you say they cannot really want me to do this right and yes we want you to do that <laughs> so Silvano, a question we ask everyone what other games do you play or are you currently playing and you know give us an example of like a, a comic book or a board game or an escape style game that you were playing i am a marvel fan and I really like the uh, a Vision miniseries by by Tom King. I don't know what what is the 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 name of the miniseries in in America, but it's uh, two, two volumes. And it's something that was used as a basis for the the Wonder Vision uh, TV TV show, but it's pretty different. And it's interesting because it's multi layered because. It's the story of uh, an android and its family in a, in a suburban America. And of course, it's also a story of integration because regular people do, do not want androids to live there. So it's a very interesting comics, also fantastic illustrations. As for video games, let me think what I played later. I'm a huge Nintendo fan, so Usually the, the answer is the latest uh, big nin Nintendo game. Uh, I played a lot of Luigi Mansions, Luigi's Mansion later, 
So, you know, it's a Ghostbuster vibe. Also, it looks fantastic as for a Nintendo Switch game. I, I could not think they can squeeze something like that in such a small console. So I'm loving that. Also, I love the fact that most of Nintendo games have different way of completion. You can just complete the game by going to start to end. But if you are a completist like me, you want to com complete again each level by collecting everything. And this is very fun to me. Also because, again, uh, this uh, brings back some puzzle into the game. Because if you want to complete anything, you, you need to solve some puzzles to understand where the last damn star is, for example. And as, as a, a board game, I'm not playing that much right now because we were uh, locked in the last few months and I just got my Vax shot. So I'm waiting for the last two weeks <laughs> to get freedom again. But uh, I played and I love a lot uh, Micro Micro, which is, uh, I don't know if you, if you know it, it's a new game which is a very huge uh, map with uh, some uh, uh, comics, the very stylized comics, with very uh, violent murderous <laughs> things happening at the same time. And uh, you can, s and the brilliant idea of the game is that this poster, this map shows all time at the same uh, time. Meaning, for example, you can see a character uh, walking. You can see the same character entering a car uh, a few blocks later. Then you can see a car uh, going uh, to, through a wall. And if you follow the, the, the character, you can see what, what he's doing. And it's a, a deduction game because you have some uh, uh, murder or death or other very violent things ha happening in this uh, very nicely looking town. And you have to understand what happened by looking at the characters, how they interact, uh, and it's it's uh, it's brilliant. I think uh, it, it might win the Spiel des Jahres uh, Game of the Year contest because it's it's nominated, and that was very very fun to play uh, with my wife during those those months. Silvana, we just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Honored to have you. Thank you so much for your perspective. And if you're out there listening, know that you've got more Silvano time coming. Room Escape Artists just released that we have a session at their recon conference coming up in August. <gasps> wow. If you don't have a ticket to that already, you should definitely pick one up. Their basic tier is uh, pay as you want, pay as you will, pay what you can. And then they have a really cool other tiers for as deep as you want to get involved but David and Lisa, the owners of Room Escape Artists, asked us to host a tabletop panel. Mm -hmm. So we've got uh, a lot of really cool people on that panel. Silvano's one of them. We've got Cracking Up Mysteries. We've mm -hmm. got Society of Curiosities. We've got Scarlet Envelope. We've got Blue Matter Games. It is uh, a really, really cool panel. And we're going to be talking about what we all love, which is at-home mystery tabletop puzzle escape games and the intricacies of that. And please, please, please come check us out at that conference. You'll get to learn about so many other amazing things and meet so many other amazing people. 
and the creators, David and Lisa, have done such a fantastic job yes. pulling this off. A little history, it was supposed to be an in-person conference. There, the, it was the first year of it last year. For obvious reasons, that didn't happen. For this year, they wanted to play it safe. But I have gone to in-person conferences, uh, digital conferences. This is by far the best digital conference I've ever been to last year. And it's so exciting to get to be a part of it this year. You need to, need to, need to, need to, need to come check it out. If not, just to see us again, right? I know you guys want to see me. And with winner Zach and loser Jared. Yes. Yes, <laughs> which I hope doesn't stick. But definitely check out Recon. Uh, you can just Google that, search for it, get you whatever level of ticket that you want, and just have a good time meeting other cool enthusiast people in the industry in adjacent spaces. But that's all we have for today. As I mentioned, this game is as of today, which I believe is which I believe is June 7th. It is uh, Crew versus Crew is available on the English site of DV Games. Um, but it is not currently available on Amazon, but will shortly become. But uh, you can always, if you're in Europe, you can pick this up on their website. And we recommend that you do. For us, what you can always do for us, shoot us a subscribe, a regular download, or a like on Facebook would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Helps us do and accomplish what we're trying to do in the future for everybody listening out there. Hit us up at puzzlingcompany.com. We'd love to interact with you on social media, talk about the industry, talk about questions that you may have. Send us a game recommendation if there's something out there that you've loved playing that we should play and talk about on the show. Who knows? We may even have you on the show to talk about it. (gasps) Spoilers for the future. But I think that's going to wrap us up today. Zach, any last thoughts? Your last last option for today to brag on yourself? I just want to thank myself for the great opportunity of my mind. I want to thank all the time I put into getting smarter. No, um, no, the Dexcape Cruiser versus Crew was great. Um, it was honestly an honor to play against you. Um, it was great fun, to say the least. And uh, I'm very excited for Recon and everything else coming forward. It's going to be great. I don't want to end this episode without talking about what we have going on next week. Zach, do you know what we have going on next week? I don't. Can you tell me? So we are actually going to take it back, way back. What, what, what do you mean going To back? the beginning, Zach. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what I mean is we are actually, uh, we've been working with uh, Thames and Cosmos here in North America, which are the publishers of the Exit series. <gasps> and what we are going to do periodically is play all of their episode games in sets of three until we have completed every single exit game. Um, then we're going to re- release a ultimate exit guide review. But we're also, every time that we talk to them, going to be talking to somebody different inside of their team. So usually where we have a creator on, we're not going to have a creator on next week. We are going to have one of their marketers on next week, Ooh. which I think will be really interesting because it feels like one of the biggest barriers to a lot of our creators is they've got really good stuff, but the dollars in order to get it to a larger crowd uh, can be a barrier. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to him to talk about this. And also this also goes with what I've mentioned with recon coming up. We're going to be launching into talking just beyond creators. We're we're still going to be talking to creators when we ever can, but we're going to be talking to marketers, distributors, even maybe some of the ownership of some of these people that are a little farther removed from design, just to round out the people and the groups that really put these games on our shelves. 
So I'm really excited. Next week, we will be playing three, the very first three games in the Exit series, which I believe were launched 16, 17-ish. And uh, Zach, do you know what those are? No, Jared, I don't. But do you know the names of them? I do. So the very first three games that they came out with in the Exit the Game series were The Secret Lab, The Pharaoh's Tomb, and The Abandoned Cabin. Um, These were award-winning games at the time in 2017. Uh, Won some uh, very prestigious awards over in Europe. And the big question I think we'll be talking about is whether these games hold up in 2021. So I'm super excited to take a little time travel back and we can't wait to spend some time with you next week. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.